BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. Hey, this is Let's Talk About Myths, baby. I'm Liv, and I tell you stuff about stories people from a zillion years ago came up with to explain other stuff. Weirdest description ever, I'm not entirely sure why I said it. Anyway, I'm Liv, and I tell you stories from Greek mythology with an emphasis on the mistreatment of women and the rampant misogyny and guess what? That's not going anywhere. Thanks again for your patience waiting on this episode. My schedule has not lightened up since we last spoke, and my few days off tend to be riddled with attempts at researching and writing, but also at not losing my mind. I can only do so much when I have only one, maybe two free days in between episodes, but I'm hoping that will chill out soon, making it easy peasy to get back in the swing of things. But for now, I'm here, if more rarely than we'd all like. And because I can, I'm going to first thank you all for the wonderful reviews I've gotten lately on iTunes. You don't know how happy they make me. Also, I'm going to point out one one-star review that I find hilarious. A user who, appropriately, goes by the moniker Who Pooped would like you all to know that this podcast is for women only. That's right. Explicitly for women only. And why? you may ask? Well, it's because not only do I, apparently, make constant sarcastic shots at men, a claim which I don't really think is true, I do take a great many shots at men, but I think the word constant is a bit of an overstatement. But I digress. No, this podcast is for women only because, sure, I state that I'm a feminist, but it apparently doesn't excuse the fact that, quote, projecting the acts of fictional gods onto modern day men is rather exhausting to listen to. 
And here's why I want to address this. It's not because it's a bad review. Everyone's entitled to their own opinion. This person doesn't like me. That's totally cool. No, my issue is with the premise they place onto what I'm saying in this podcast. One, and maybe I'm wrong, and maybe people will point out instances where I do this, but it is rarely my intention to place any blame on modern men. That's not to say that I don't have opinions about men of my time, and I do. Because spoilers, women are still treated like garbage. But no, that's rarely, if ever, my point in this podcast. I almost exclusively am referring to men of ancient Greece. Which leads me to, I'm sorry, this idea that I'm projecting fictional gods onto real men. Where do you think these fictional gods came from. Fiction, by definition, is thought up by someone. These fictional gods were thought up by real men who projected their own thoughts and feelings about women onto these gods and created stories where said gods ruined women just for the sake of it. It wasn't women who thought up these stories, that's for sure. Not only because women are unlikely to create stories like this, but mainly because women didn't have a voice in ancient Greece. Men created the gods in their image, because that's what religion is. Men came up with these myths. Men came up with the gods. I grant you, these were ancient Greek men. But the gods didn't spring up from nowhere. Certainly not if a person is concluding that they are indeed fictional. Did these fictional gods spring from the ether? No. They were created by men. And so it is men I blame for the misogyny, which in itself is a valid concept in this world. Anyway, thanks for listening, friends. I do enjoy a good rant about my own feminist righteousness. Now, where were we? This is episode 30, The Iliad, part four, The Achaeans, Infinity War. A quick note on the title of this episode, something I may not have mentioned because I'm attempting to make things less confusing for you all, is that the Greeks are referred to by a zillion different names in Homer. There's no Greek, nor really Hellenes back then, so they had countless other names for this sort of collective group of city-states that were banding together against the Trojans. The most common of which is Achaeans. That's the term used to refer to the Greeks most often in Homer. Anyway, you know what they say, all the best jokes are the ones you have to explain. So, the battle is raging on the banks of the river Scamander. The Greeks and the Trojans are decimating each other in a violent, bloody battle. While this rages on, Athena is using her goddessy magic to infuse Diomedes with strength and bravery. She wants him able to surpass all the other Greeks and achieve glory. Athena causes a bright light to erupt from his helmet and his shield, and like that, she sends him blazing into battle like a shining beacon of toxic masculinity. When Diomedes flies into the battle that way, he encounters two sons of Troy. Phygeus and Idaeus were sons of a wealthy Trojan named Dares. They rode on a chariot and charged towards Diomedes, who himself charged forward on foot. But he had been bestowed with power by Athena, and when Phygeus threw his spear at the oncoming Diomedes, it misses and flies over his shoulder. 
Diomedes then in return throws his spear and it hits Phygeus in the center of his chest. Or it hits Adeus. My two sources tell me opposite things. One of them, though, is hit by Diomedes' spear and is killed. And the other would have died too. But their father is loved by Hephaestus, who shrouds the young man in darkness so that he can escape being killed by this angry Greek. It's then that Athena decides that enough is enough. Kind of. She goes to Ares and suggests that at least they stop interfering. Let the Greeks and the Trojans fight amongst themselves without the help of the gods. It's bloody enough, she tells her brother, who is really quite fond of blood. But she makes him sit by and watch, rather than continue to interject himself into the fighting. Together they watch the battle from the high bank of the Scamander. And the Greeks push into the Trojans, with Agamemnon killing the leader of one of the groups fighting on the side of the Trojans. So continues the blood and guts and utter devastation. Homer provides extensive details, and so, so many names. Just pretend I've regaled you with so many Greek names, and I pronounce them perfectly. There were spears punched through backs, pushed through butts with such force as to hit the pubic bone from the inside, tongues sliced off at the root, arms sheared off. It goes on and on. Homer is a colorful storyteller, to say the very least. And then there's Diomedes. We're told that it's hard to tell what side he's even on. He's so wide-ranging in his devastation. Diomedes is spotted by Pandarus, a talented bowman you might recall from the last episode. You see, Pandarus is the man who shot the arrow at Menelaus that is pushed out of the way by Athena. I didn't tell you his name in the last episode because I assumed I wouldn't need it again, and man, there are so many names. But it turns out I was wrong, so that man's name is Pandarus. Pandarus takes aim and he shoots Diomedes with one of his arrows. It pierces through his armor and into his shoulder. Pandarus then boasts loudly, a long and detailed boast, as is the way in this story. He yells out while Diomedes is still running toward him, quote, Onward, Trojans, the bravest of the Achaeans has been hit, and I think he will die. I am sure, as I am, that it was Apollo, the son of Zeus, who called me from Lycia and granted me his protection. I just think they're go so goddamn wordy when they really should be watching their time. And this is true, because while this man is boasting... Diomedes has his companion pull out the arrow from Diomedes' shoulder, and he prays to Athena, asking for help. Athena gives Diomedes fresh strength and bravery and makes him even faster. She even tells him that she has taken the human mist from his eyes so that he can tell the difference between a god and a human. She tells him that if any god comes up to challenge him, he should refuse to fight. Unless, quote, it is Aphrodite. If she comes, feel free to cut her up with your spear. So that was a nice addition on the part of Athena. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, 
and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. When Athena's left him, Diomedes returns to the Greek ranks. A new fierceness is taking over him, even more than just now, when he already kind of lost it a little. But now... Even more, Diomedes rampages through the Trojans. First, he kills Astinous, and Hyperion, the latter's shoulder, is hacked off from his neck and back. Then Abbas and Polydius, Xanthus and Thaun, two sons of a man who, we're told, is far too old to father more to replace them. Next, Echimon and Chromius, two sons of King Priam of Troy. It's then that future super-famous man Aeneas notices the havoc that Diomedes is causing amongst the Trojans. In response, he charges through the reigning spears to find Pandarus, the aforementioned famous bow and spearman of the Trojans. Aeneas asks Pandarus where his bow and arrows are. He tells him that there's no competition for his skills. Aeneas points out Diomedes, the man causing all the worst of the violence against the Trojans, and he tells Pandarus to shoot an arrow at him to stop him from continuing the carnage. Unless, Aeneas notes, Diomedes is actually a god himself, angry at the Trojans for not sacrificing when they should have. But Pandarus knows what's up. He recognizes Diomedes from earlier. He tells Aeneas he doesn't think this man is a god. He thinks he is Diomedes, unless he's mistaken. And if it is Diomedes, he isn't acting this way entirely of his own accord. Pandarus realizes that Diomedes must have had the help of a god. And he's quite right. He notes that he should have died when he was hit with the earlier arrow, and he didn't. Something is certainly amiss. 
And then, to Aeneas, Pandarus recalls back to when he shot the arrow that was deflected at the last moment so that it didn't kill Menelaus. Twice now he shot his arrows at the Greeks, and they have not died. And he is not any old arrow shooter. Oh, no, this is what he's known for. He's the best of the Trojans, and yet both times, arrows that should have killed didn't. Pandarus doesn't know which god it is, but he knows the gods are helping the Greeks. Pandarus, now feeling a little bit iffy about going up against Diomedes, gives a little speech to Aeneas about what he gave up when he came to fight on the side of Troy. He was from a nearby region, and he left a nice life back there. He had some great horses, he tells Aeneas, and he thought about bringing them with him, but then he figured that maybe they'd get hungry, so he didn't. This is a succinct paraphrase. You're welcome. Aeneas then tries to buck Pandarus up. He says, look, I've got some horses. They were bred by my ancestor, and they're super duper fast. Just crazy fast. Whether they're attacking or retreating, they're fast. He tells Pandarus that, you know, even if Zeus once again causes Diomedes to win against us, we'll have these horses. They'll bring us back to the city walls safely, so really, it's all good. We're ready. And then they spend nine lines sorting out who will drive the horses, because Homer was anything but brief. Aeneas will drive the chariot. The horses know him. That's literally all you had to say, Homer. But did you? So Pandarus and Aeneas, with Aeneas driving, charge forward towards Diomedes, who's still raging and full of Athena power. Diomedes even makes a point of saying that he will go out and face Pandarus and Aeneas, who are barreling towards him. Because Athena has granted him glory. And even if they could escape, there's no way those horses will take them back to their city. So, you know, everyone is super focused on the horses. Diomedes says this about said horses because he's simultaneously telling his friend and man with a name I don't wish to pronounce to take the horses when he has a chance and to bring them back toward the Greek ships. Diomedes recognizes the horses. As mentioned, they were bred by Aeneas's ancestor. Diomedes notes that said ancestor was given the horses by Zeus himself. You see, if you think way, way back to the beginning of this podcast, you'll recall a man that once received horses from Zeus in exchange for his son, Ganymede. Zeus loved Ganymede. And in return for this man straight up giving his son, who would become Zeus's cupbearer slash sex slave, he was given horses. These horses of Aeneas are descended from those horses. They're important horses. But then, still with the horses, Diomedes provides a bit more insight. You see, he says it's actually Anchises, Aeneas's father, who gave Aeneas the horses. He had snuck in some mares to those famous Ganymede horses, and he'd bred them, sneakily. What resulted? Those are the horses that now pull Aeneas's chariot. 
I'm not sure whether Aeneas was glossing over that or if it wasn't a relevance to him, but basically I'm just saying that seriously, the horses were an important part of this. And now because Diomedes has realized just what those horses are, he wants them. Pandarus and Aeneas still galloping ahead in the chariot pulled by such famous horses, or infamous, rather, horses, reach Diomedes. Pandarus then shouts out a bit of a taunt, but a Homeric one. He says, quote, Son of Tidius, the arrow I shot before failed to kill you. Now I have come again. We will see if I can bring you down this time for good. So wordy. Pandarus shoots an arrow at Diomedes, and it hits him. It drives through the hides that Diomedes is wearing, but it doesn't have enough force to pierce through his breastplate that sits beneath. That damn Diomedes is unbreakable! But of course, Pandarus only sees that he's shot Diomedes and that it's a hit. So he immediately claims triumph, exclaiming, quote, A hit! Clean through to your belly! And I don't think you will hold out much longer. What a great triumph this is! I actually cringed when I read that. I mean, Pandarus, wait just a second before you assume you've gone and injured the guy you just noted as being helped by the gods. Did you forget all that? You just tried to shoot him and failed because he's being helped. Now suddenly you think you got him just because it looked like that from probably fairly far away? Come on, Pandarus, you can do better. And so, as we might expect from this nonsense, Diomedes is fucking fine. So fine that he calls back to Pandarus and taunts him. Then he throws his own spear and it hits Pandarus on the nose. Athena guides it. She's doing the dirty work. The spear drives through Pandarus's nose to his teeth, shattering them and everything else in that part of your head. It slices through his tongue, cutting it off at the root, and the spear bursts out at the base of Pandarus's chin. He falls from the chariot, hits the dirt in a bloody sandy mess of blood and guts and tongue and brain matter, probably. His armor clatters down after him, hitting his body as it lies in the dirt. Seeing his friend and ally Pandarus lying bloodied and straight-up disgusting in the dirt, Aeneas leaps down from the chariot to go at Diomedes. But Diomedes picks up a boulder, one that we're told not even two men could reasonably lift, and he tosses it at Aeneas. The boulder hits him in the hip joint, and it crushes the joint and breaks the tendons and tears away all the flesh. Aeneas falls to the ground, propping himself up with one hand, and he would have died too. But his mother steps in. Aeneas's mother is Aphrodite, and she throws herself around her son, preventing anyone from hurting him further. And in that moment, Diomedes's friend, whose name I won't pronounce, steals the horses. And as his friend steals the horses, Diomedes has more important things to deal with. 
You'll recall that Athena told him that he had every right to go after Aphrodite if he had the chance. And he does. Diomedes chases after Aphrodite, who is whisking Aeneas off to safety. Not only does Aeneas chase after Aphro-fucking-Dite, but he catches her. He wounds her. Nothing too troubling, of course. She's a goddess, and that's, she certainly can't be killed like this. But it pierces her skin and startles her, and so she drops Aeneas. But just before he hits the ground, Apollo swoops in and carries Aeneas off to safety. Now, Aphrodite is pissed. And rightfully so. Who the fuck does Diomedes think he is injuring a goddess like that? Aphrodite heads straight to Ares, who's happily watching the battle take place. He does love blood and guts, that Ares. Per the translation I'm reading, she's pretty fucking grovelly. Save me, get me out of here, type bullshit. I stand by that I don't think a woman would have actually reacted like that, or rather, a woman who's also a fucking goddess. But I repeat once more that these stories were developed by men in a hardcore patriarchy, and go ahead and tell me I'm being too mean to men. I feel like lately it's giving me a newfound strength. So Aphrodite takes Ares' chariot and heads back up to Mount Olympus. She's over this bullshit, and here is where I have to explain that the myth of Aphrodite's birth that I've told in the podcast is not the only version. See, it's my favorite because it's bad and fucking crazy and she was born of, like, castration foam. But there's another option that actually just says that she's the daughter of Zeus and Dion, a titan. This gets confusing because it's primarily Homer that refers to Dion as Aphrodite's mother, and later Aphrodite is actually referred to as Dion herself. So don't think too much into this. Know that simply what I'm about to say is that Aphrodite flees to Olympus where she goes to talk to her mom. Dion tells her not to worry too much. Almost all the gods have had to deal with bullshit like this. So many of them have been injured by mortals, but... They persevere, and then they just continue making the lives of mortals a living hell. Okay, I added that last part myself, but let's be honest, it's totally true. (laughs) Meanwhile, we have Athena and Hera being shitty. They go to Zeus and complain about Aphrodite. Athena lies and tells Zeus that Aphrodite is trying to convince some Greek girl to run off with the Trojan. And while she's doing that, she nicks herself on the girl's dress pins, and that's how she's injured. So, you know, take the brave thing Aphrodite did and make it into something frivolous, something a woman would do. This leads Zeus to call Aphrodite to him and chastise her for getting involved in the fray. He tells her to stick to the lovely secrets of marriage and leave the war to Athena and Ares. You stay in the kitchen, female. And I know Athena's out there doing shitty stuff, so there are men amongst you who would call me out for neglecting to point out the shitty actions of Athena. And they are shitty. But Athena is the female that gets away with everything. She's the one the men like because she helps them. She's the character they created to help themselves. She's the man's goddess. And she's a strong female, sure. And I appreciate that. But she's strong only in ways that help men, and she decries femininity. So, fuck that. Another meanwhile, 
Diomedes has not given up. He keeps trying to attack Aeneas, even though he's being guarded by fucking Apollo. Diomedes gives zero fucks at this point, and he just keeps going at Aeneas. He wants to kill him and take his armor. That is his only concern. Finally, after three times trying to attack Aeneas by going through Apollo, the god has had enough. On the fourth time that Diomedes tries to go at him, Apollo loses it. He stops Diomedes with a speech basically asking him what the fuck he thinks he's doing attacking gods like this. Like, don't you think you're so special, Diomedes? I'm a fucking god. Don't think humans and gods are even remotely equal, he tells him. There are zero similarities between the races, which is a bit of an exaggeration because there are absolutely a million similarities, Apollo. But whatever, you want Diomedes to think you're special. So Apollo yells at Diomedes, who finally backs off just a tiny bit. But it's enough for Apollo to whisk Aeneas away to one of his temples, where Apollo's sister Artemis and his mother Leto are waiting to heal Aeneas up. Because, you know, he needs strength for what he'll go on to do. Thank you all for listening. It's been a real adventure. We are still not even halfway through the Trojan War. You know, I keep researching these and writing them thinking, oh, it'll just be a couple more episodes. And then I read like three pages of the Iliad and it takes up an entire episode. And uh, well, I'm stretching it out, obviously, but not intentionally. Now, I wanted to update you all at this point because I've had a chance to watch just a bit of the Netflix slash BBC series, Troy, Fall of a City. You know when they say, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all? I mean, that in general is pretty antithetical to this podcast as a whole, but specifically, I may adhere for the most part in this case. Maybe that'll change and I'll have supremely magnificent things to say about the show as I continue watching it, which I will keep trying. But until then, I will say a couple of things based on just the, I think, two episodes I've watched. Firstly, their accents really throw me. I'm used to the whole British accent serve for whatever country the show is actually taking place in when it comes to Europe thing. But some of those regional accents just take it away a bit. I feel like British people are going to be bothered by this. And so I apologize. But for this Canadian, Queen's English tends to be what we're used to in things like this. So when there are regional tinges, it just seems odd. Anyway, I found it distracting. Also, my god, they're so white for the fact that this is all taking place in Turkey. And I mean, fine when it comes to the Greeks, but still get a fake tan already. Greeks were at least fucking tanned. Now, when it comes to the actual story, at this stage, I will state just one point that infuriated me immediately. I'm going to keep watching and I'm going to take notes and, you know. But why the actual fuck would Helen call Artemis Diana? Are you joking? We're talking Bronze Age Greece for this Trojan War and the character of Helen. And here she is calling Artemis by a Roman Latin name. I'm sorry, Helen, but Diana didn't exist. Rome didn't exist. And the story of Artemis and Actaeon abso-fucking-lutely would have been about Artemis during this time and not Diana. God damn it. If I'm wrong about this and anyone knows further truth, please enlighten me. Because honestly, 
this made me lose it right off the bat. Like, is the Roman slash Latin influence on our world so great that the writers just thought, yeah, they would call her Diana? Come on. Some translators do that and it drives me nuts. You don't need to continue that nonsense in a show. Honestly, like, it's Greek. Diana's Roman. Anyway, Greek versus Roman names tend to be the thing that bother me most. Maybe it's an overreaction. Who knows? I mean, who cares? I tend to overreact. It's kind of my thing. I'm contemplating whether my opinions on the show will eventually be a Patreon-specific episode, as I've done and will continue to do with sort of pop culture TV movie type things. We'll see. Honestly, so far, I've only watched a couple episodes because, well, I don't really like it. Anyway, that's what you're getting on the subject for now. And thank you all for your patience for this delayed episode. In time, I will have my life back in order and I will have the time and energy to do this research and writing and recording and editing as I regularly did before. For now, thank you for listening when I finally do have episodes. The support I've been having from you guys lately is bringing me through this. It's keeping me going. It's wonderful. As per usual, I would really appreciate it if you would rate and review the podcast on iTunes. As I've mentioned, even if you don't listen on Apple, it would be awesome if you would log on just to do this. It helps others find the podcast not only in Apple Podcasts, but basically everywhere because Apple reviews feed out to so many other locations, not just Apple devices or iTunes. Anyway, that would be great. Also, as usual, if you're so inclined, you can follow me on Instagram or Twitter and Facebook. I'm Miss Baby everywhere. You can also head to my website where I have information on supporting me via Patreon or individual donations. Anything helps. It's a lot of work to do the podcast. And any support I have from you guys really helps me immensely. Um... You can also find some super dorky merch I've created on the website. It's just a lot of nerd stuff. Thanks again. Anyway, you're all wonderful. I'm Liv, and god damn it, do I love this shit. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms, and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness. 
kick back and spread some positivity into the world. From smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports, on stages, and at the box office, women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to Women Take the Mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs, and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day.